All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. And uh, first, I guess I should just apologize for what happened last week. I, I got the COVID, Walter. The COVID, that means you've only had it once and that it was a uh, serious case. Well, I don't know how serious it was. It, it turned out to be two days of, of uh, sheer hell. And then after that, I, I actually took Paxlovid and it seemed to work. Wow. That was courageous of you after Joe Biden's uh, you know, COVID rebound or double rebound or whatever it was. Well, maybe I'm not out of the woods yet. That's I mean, true. that's that that's another possibility. But yeah. uh, deeply unpleasant disease, very very different than anything I, I'm I've been used to. It was it's kind of like um, having your head in a vice and having like pro wrestlers turn it all day long. It was it was unbelievable. Every and everybody has a different experience with this disease, which really makes you wonder about it a little bit. Um, did, have you had it? I appear to have had it because my wife had it and tested positive and I at the same time had some symptoms. You know, I, I don't think it was pure sympathetic reaction. You know, I had a bad body ache and felt, you know, crashingly tired, but it lasted a day and a half. And and full disclosure, I'm a resident of Montana. I went down to the feed store and got the um, dreaded ivermectin paste that had been recommended across the internet and squirted some into my mouth, consonant with my weight, you know, rather than using that meant for a 1,250 pound horse, I used a little because this, uh, this was pre-vaccine. I, I didn't really have anything else I could do. I dumped a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, internet recommended vitamins down my throat and, uh, with, uh, you know, with luck, and I think maybe some help from the vitamins. I was better in two days. Mm, mm. Well, I guess we're both lucky then. Uh, it was it was very strange, you know. I, my entire mouth went numb. I had you have these weird neurological symptoms, like you can't smell or taste. Yeah, uh, I I didn't have any of that. And you know, I, it's funny, COVID. I, I like this, by the way. It's like COVID porn because every, yeah. everybody's experience, as you say, is different. And a lot of people report this feeling of having a sort of alien presence in themselves, which moves from the head to different parts of the body. The aches move around. Among my cohort, the symptoms that are seem to be most troubling are really bad brain fog that people talk about lasting for a couple of weeks. You know, it is it is kind of troubling and mysterious because you don't get any real um, consistency in people's reports. Yeah, very strange. I had the brain fog I, 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 at one point. In fact, it was a week ago today. At one point, I, I found myself in the kitchen of the house where I was staying, not knowing why I'd gone there. Uh, Later, oh. I, I, I had these sudden changes in body temperature. I don't know if you heard about this, where no. I was like pouring, I, I was stacking uh, frozen dry ice uh, containers on myself to try to get the temperature down. That's how bad it was. Um, oh, it, this is really, really weird. Anyway, it's over. So um, When did you I, know it was over? Uh, I guess like maybe two days ago. Uh -huh. 
I mean, I still had sort of normal cold, cold symptoms after that, but, right. but it was just, it was really just those first two days that were, that were really crazy and confusing. So uh, I can't say it's a myth. I guess, I guess COVID's a real thing, but certainly wasn't pleasant anyway. Yeah. Well, well, well welcome back. And I, I I'm, I'm glad it wasn't uh, too grievous for you. Yeah, it wasn't too grievous, although it did have the upside of me not paying attention to the news for about a week, which which turned out to be a really great thing. Uh, I came back just in time for for Joe Biden's big primetime address, which I thought was a little frightening. What, what was your what was your take on that? Well, you know, every speech is I'm a bit of a media theorist and every speech is performed for different um, modes of consumption. The, the networks didn't play the speech. Is that correct? Four of them didn't. It was uh, eight, five, sorry, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, and Fox all declined. Oh, okay. PBS and Fox finding that rare mutual uh, agreement. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, what's that Venn diagram? That's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where do they overlap? So I saw the speech in different forms, and in each form, I received it slightly differently. The first way I saw it was through stills and 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 quotations, and then short video clips, and then I finally watched it all at double speed on the internet. Um, so, in terms of photographs, it was like a Vincent Price movie from the 1960s, House of Wax, The Fall of, Us, of Usher, um, <laughs> Mask of the Red Death. I found it gothic, um, uh, hammer horror style, uh, red-drenched um, mm, spook house uh, drama w with the Marines silhouetted ominously in the back, a lot of sort of strange um symbols crosses and so on that i that i never knew were in independence hall they seem to be a result of very dramatic lighting uh, on details in the building um there was a cross above his head and i and i noticed as i looked at these pictures some of which i think might have been official because i i don't know if if republicans or you know joe's joe's uh um adversaries have photographers there, but some of them looked like they were meant to show us a, a kind of dawn of uh, Reichstag, Riefenstahl aesthetics in America. And so they're pretty dramatic stuff. Then I read the clips and saw, or read, read the outtakes and saw the short clips. And they tended to emphasize the red meat of a speech which was so heavy laden with cliches that there were very few things you could take from it and, and make quotations from. I mean, he said things like, we are still at our core a democracy, which caused me to think. What does that mean? Well, what, 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 what's, what's the qualifier there for? <laughs> at our core. I, yeah. I, I guess maybe he's admitting that we're an oligarchy on the outside, but actually, <laughs> you know, we have a soft marshmallow center of democracy. Um, I don't know what was being said. And, frank and frankly, once I listened to the whole speech, I found it so oddly circular, I couldn't make head or tail of it. Not only was it full of sort of vapid repetitions, 
of, you know, we we are a democracy. Remember, we're a democracy. We can do anything. They actually had a bunch of Republican style odd little populist movements about how everything's going to be made in America now and and some FDR stuff about we're going to rebuild our bridges in the next 10 years. I don't know I've ever heard a timeline on that, but I did last night. But it was very, very light on specifics. And over and over, it talked about threats. It talked about the threat of division while stoking division. It talked about, strangely, the fact that People who feel an election didn't go their way and might have even been stolen are trying to address or avenge that loss with other elections, which doesn't seem that troubling to me. I mean, um, you know, we realize we're a couple months from these midterms and is the passion about the last election which it would seem is creating energy for this election, really not how democracy, quote unquote, works. It seemed to be referring to a crisis that I didn't understand. Has something happened? Was there a siege, except for the one on his opponent's home? He talked about a clear and present danger. He used those exact words. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because that term has a very specific legal meaning. But go, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, well a clear and pre- when a clear and present danger is identified by a U.S. president at Independence Hall with silhouetted guards in back of him and a red wash on the walls that, you know, looks like a Black Sabbath album, you would expect that you would announce some measures or um, plans or something to deal with the clear and present danger. But there were none at all. It it was completely open-ended. It was like someone was writing themselves a blank check at wartime. And that was, besides the, I, I thought, the ridiculous teenage staging, the troubling part of the speech. You can't just come and tell me that I'm under siege, that he and also he contradicted himself constantly. He said most Republicans are good, but then he also said the Republican Party is driven and led by extreme yeah, dom- dominated, yeah. dominated, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and he 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 he'd call for unity, and then in the next uh, sentence he'd you know demonize the other. It was like a ping pong ball going back and forth rhetorically and logically that made no sense to me except as spectacle. And as spectacle, it was two things. It was ominous, theater of blood, and it was absolutely vague while being ultimate, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's my read. Yeah, I mean, the vagueness I thought was ominous for a lot of reasons. For me, the, the, the speech was profoundly pessimistic and negative and scary and used kind of the time-tested rhetorical technique of identifying a uh, a lawless contagion that needs to be overcome right so that that could be you know barry goldwater's marauders um you know when nixon rallied the forgotten americans against those who would collapse american society even Trump's speech in 2016 at the convention, which I, th- I thought was a very dark speech. I, I, I was there. I was there too. Where, I saw it. R- really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was scary, right? Like I, it was. It was a really negative, pessimistic speech. I thought where he 
he was talking a lot about lawlessness and um there were multiple references to uh these immigrants who were free to roam to commit crimes and there were there were lots of references to kids who had been harmed yeah the, the, uh, the, it was called the next morning almost universally dystopian but 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 my experience of it was different because of the occasion okay here in 2016 you had donald trump trying to interrupt the sort of relay race of legacy presidencies that had been going on forever okay and it is appropriate at such a moment to say everyone up until me has failed look at how rotten things are uh and, and list your um your opponents and the establishment's uh roster of of failures and disgraces but this speech occurring at the midpoint of a presidency uh before a midterm election around the time that candidates will announce the major candidates may announce for the presidential election i think he filed himself uh for, for, for re-election last week biden did the timing of this speech was weird because you expect dystopianism when you are trying to displace a long history of sort of similar regimes you don't expect it at a moment when a president should be sort of cresting or in his power and his policy mindedness and in fact should not be concerned as much with the next presidential election uh he's 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 at a midpoint between the last one and the next one but but this was a four alarm fire in the middle of a seated dinner and 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 so uh, that's why it really kind of grabbed my mind in the way Trump's thing didn't. I, I expected Trump to say, you know, they're all, you know, they're all a bunch of losers and America's in bad shape. Weirdly, Biden also sp spoke for, I think, the first time, because I don't get a lot of this from him, not for the first time, but, you know, in a way that is, I think exceptional for him of some promising, wonderful, you know, American future. He talked about the Amer it's going to be the American century again you know, mm. uh, Reagan-esque stuff, but, but just, it was just sprinkled in there. You, 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 you had to sort of almost read the transcript to know it was there because everything about the tone staging and the ritual repetition of the threat, the idea of the threat of subversives, they're really just talking about subversives and the you know and 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 subversives exchange hats in american political history but once again they stalk us we're afraid of them they're among us they're few but they're powerful and so what are we going to do about them sir yeah yeah and that, and, that, and that's and that's what worried me because he, even even with trump's speech he he set out exactly what his plan was in 2016. He's going to build a wall and he's going to stop immigration from countries that, you know, still still have a terrorism issue on, you know, until they've been properly vetted. I, I forget what the exact language was, but yeah, but there was a policy prescription that could you could at least criticize or 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 analyze. Right here, it was left unspoken, which I think was was really troubling because, as you say, he spent most of the speech outlining the fact that we're faced with a unique threat and he he used all sorts of 
maximalist language. They are a threat to the very foundations of our society. Right. They're a threat to democracy. They're a threat to your, you know, to your right to marry who you who you love. Um, yes. And, 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 mm -hmm. well, and, and yet he didn't speak to the elephant in the living room, which there's an election in exactly two months. And at least as far as I can tell, most energy on the part of the Republicans and even the MAGA Republicans has centered recently around winning primaries and now on winning elections. So, I mean, if, if they were planning to try to retake Congress using spears or, you know, or armed pickup trucks, that would be one thing. And you would think from that speech that that is what they plan. But in fact, we're facing a midterm election and should not the remedy for un, uh, unappreciated and even you know, vilified elections be new ones? Isn't that what we should allow to happen? Wouldn't that be the faith restoring moment and the uniting moment to recommit to the very thing he is saying we abandoned faith in? Well, his argument is that Republicans are going to retake the machinery of the states so that they can dominate the vote counting contests so that they can obviate free elections in the future. Well, that's a buried argument because he didn't actually say that. And, and, and this was a speech that was larger than, uh, than that kind of wonkiness. It, it, it really caused you to wonder if maybe your neighbors are building a bomb. Caused you to wonder if certain extreme measures are being contemplated. You mentioned earlier that clear and present danger is a legal term. And, and what is that? So this is uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, the famous Supreme Court justice. There was a Supreme Court case, I think it's Shank v. United States, where they came up with the test for what kind of speech may be prevented and uh, you had to demonstrate that something was a clear and present danger that it that it presented a clear and present danger to the, to the United States, um, which would bring about the substantive evils that Congress has a right to prevent. So uh, that's what's, what was alarming to me is this is a term that was used for a long time. Obviously, we abandoned this standard in the late '60s mm -hmm. or early '70s, if I remember correctly. Um, but the, the standard was, if something reaches the level of being a clear and present danger, then we have the right to suppress it, right? And so to describe your political enemies as being a clear and present danger, I think in the context of especially the 20th century, where it was most commonly used to uh, suppress speech by communists and by other other radical political groups i thought that was a, that was a pretty big and intentional step to take if you take that in conjunction with some of the things that have been said uh in in recent weeks you know from from biden uh, identifying everybody who is a a maga republican as a semi-fascist to the uh former daily caller and daryl isa aide 
Kurt Bardella uh, saying that and 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 now DNC uh, advisor and convert Kurt Bardella going on MSNBC and saying that MAGA Republicans are a uh, a, a domestic terrorist cell operating in the United States. I. I I just worry about all this rhetoric, right? Because because those words have concrete meaning in the war in the in the war on terror age. If you can identify somebody as a th- a threat to the United States, if you can identify them as a member of a a terrorist group, you can put them on a watch list. You can you can uh, conduct surveillance on them. There's there's all kinds of things you can do, and uh, I don't know. And they're already and they've been doing them, Matt. I mean, come on. Uh, every day I get it. I get a new glimpse into the fact that if they are now creating a pretext uh, for, uh, you know, for, for censorship and sort of suppression and, and, and so on, it's not because they haven't already been doing it. We got news last week that there were regular meetings in the White House um, during COVID, I mean, during COVID and, you know, and we have no knowledge of whether they've ended. Uh, over what social media uh, um, accounts, accounts, accounts should be canceled. But they literally got down into the weeds in the White House, you know, to drone social media accounts, you know, they, 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 to, to draw up a kill list, you know, and, and, and you know, the left is better at, at, at creepy language. When Nixon had, you know, people he didn't like, it was an enemies list. But this is called content moderation. And so in the name of content moderation, they seem to think that they can go straight from the White House, from the place that supposedly guarantees our constitutional rights or in some ways, or, you know, uh, protects them in, with executive power. And they can abrogate them piecemeal for no uh, criminal reason. I guess perhaps they have some background pseudo legal notion that they're suppressing terror. I don't know if that was Dis- disinformation, right? Like- but but these were comedy accounts in in, in some cases. Some of them were uh, devoted to making fun of Fauci. You know, and if you know one thing about America, satire and sort of cartoons and and, and lampoons of of the other side and of of its members. Have, have precede the nation itself in some ways. I mean, they go back to the invention of newspapers. And now we have actual White House um, meetings over, you know, the grooming of, of, of social media for reasons that don't have to do with criminality. or, or, or. And so I, I sort of see, see them as maybe even as this news has started coming out, framing a, an, an argument for this, this, this very peculiar um, and, and targeted and, you know, and deliberate censorship. And it's, there seems to be more of it on the horizon. And I don't know what other kind of actions might be on the horizon. Well, that, that's the question. What, what else, right? Because uh, if you look at this from the perspective of, of a Republican, let's just say you, you know, you're, you're a Trump supporter, right? I'm not. I'm an independent. I don't, I don't, I don't like either of them. But if I were a Trump supporter, what would I be thinking today? Or a Trump supporter, I'd feel targeted. I'd feel um, I, I, I'd feel that I might have to take some steps uh, 
uh, you know, I, I might even want a lawyer on call if I'd been an active vociferous Republican of, quote, the MAGA style, which is simply the sort of populist wing of the Republican populist wing of the Republican Party. The other thing I'd been th- be thinking is that I was if, if I wasn't going to vote before, I, I, I damn well was going to vote now. I mean, this is uh, this is a big get out the vote speech for Republicans. It's got to be because, you know, whatever else they may do. And he, he also, you know, it was also an attempt to split the Republican Party over and over. It was an attempt to say, you know, I've worked with some of you. You're mainstream. You're good. You know, um, uh, he, he mentioned somebody by name uh, who, it, and whose name I forget. But you have a infestation. You have bedbugs. You have, you know, an enemy within. You must uh, excise it. Weirdly, it was a strange speech, and 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 it's hard to analyze Biden's speech because he delivers them in a way that really makes you wonder how conscious he is of their contents. And and, and at one point, he just apropos of nothing, he said we were going to end cancer as we know it. Oh, I, I I had the same reaction. I was like, what the fuck was? Where, where did that come from? Well, it almost we're, we're going to fix cancer now. Yeah, or well, gonna... yeah, we're going to end it as we know it. You know, right? We, we may not fix cancer itself. <laughs> but we'll, but we'll, we'll redefine it something it, worse. sort of like recessions. Yeah. We ended recessions right. as we used to know them by calling them something else. Maybe we'll end cancer by calling it, you know, eager growth, <laughs> eager cell growth. <laughs> but um, but but in any case, I was like when I heard him say that, I said, yeah, this whole speech has been about cancer, hasn't it? That's all you're talking about here. You're saying there is a cancer in our society. You know, and, 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 I, and I thought it was almost some kind of, you know, flourish from some hidden, uh, you know, English overqualified English major on his staff to put actual cancer into a speech about, you know, veritable cancer. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. There, there's a cancer on our society and we're going to chemo the crap out of it. But what does that mean? I mean, I, I remember during the Bush years uh, being so animated as a non-Bush Republican, as an opponent of the war, because every time a Republican politician opened his, his mouth, they would talk in a way that suggested they had no plan for a future America that included me in it, right? Like, they, they were constantly lumping in anti-war protesters and, you know, quote-unquote liberals with terrorists. Uh, you know, we were part of the problem, right? And this is exactly the same kind of language, and I think it's going to animate, it's going to animate Republicans in the same way. Well, you know, you know, I don't feel so much targeted as a Republican, which technically I don't believe I am. There's a registration down at my courthouse, I think, which says I'm a Democrat. But I do feel targeted as a Montanan. I'm starting to feel targeted as a as a resident of the interior of the United States. You know, there, there was a Max Boot um, a tweet last week that I think came from a longer piece he'd written in which he called Provincetown and, 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 and maybe, you know, Nantucket very uh, representative American places. The heartland. Yeah, the heartland. Yeah. Try, you know, try driving into them if you are a ethnic resident of the Bronx and find out how representative they are. You, I, you, I promise have no problem crossing the Montana border, but 
you might get some looks on those fairies anyway and you'll need to pay 47 bucks for a seltzer (laughs) exactly but in any case i'm starting to feel regionally targeted because a lot of this rhetoric this anti-maga rhetoric uh sort of uh, slops over into anti you know um maga country rhetoric as though that as though maga has a geographical stronghold you know sort of like you know the Viet Cong did in certain villages the villages having to go along with any Viet Cong members even if they're not there at the time which is right. kind of how we did it in a lot of cases and, and and so so when i hear the term maga country i think like oh you're not going to be selective in your persecution it's going to be whole counties that get you know that, that get whatever spanking you have planned and and so in that sense, I think a lot of Americans who aren't MAGA, who may not even be Republicans, so to speak, who are independents, and that is a vast segment of America, are starting to feel like, you know what? I look around and I see wheat fields or I see mountains or I see corn growing or I see, you know, and Boot specifically said he specifically sort of uh, dismissed the Rust Belt, Rust Belt cities as, as, as no longer representative of America. I mean, hell, they've killed most of them off anyway with Oxycontin, you know, wars and, you know, deindustrialization. So, you know, how could they be representative anyway? You know, failures. But in any case, so I went like, corn. OK, now we've got the list. Cornfields, factory towns, you know, not places not separated by water and only accessible by ferry. And I, I think he also praised university towns, perhaps. I don't want to put words in his mouth. And I said, this list, this targeting is getting pretty damn broad and, right. and, and pretty weird because. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.